I invite you to take uh, one of the Bibles in the pew rack in front of you, uh, turn to Hosea, right in the middle of the Bible, 844, page 844. We're in the very last chapter we've been in Hosea, this prophetic book for four Sundays. This is our fourth Sunday, and this is the last chapter of the book. Um, This is addressed to the northern kingdom of Israel, who is very... um, taken and smitten by a larger kingdom to the north, Assyria, which is their downfall. So listen to God's word. I'm going to pray for us, and then we will listen to what God wants to say to us this morning. Let's pray. God, here we are. This word was written so long ago, and yet you are here, wanting to speak to us as powerfully and as lovingly as you did then. By your spirit, may we hear you address us. In Christ's name, amen. Hosea 14, listen to God's word to you. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, take away all guilt, accept that which is good, and we will offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. We will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. In you, the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall strike root like the forest of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out, his beauty shall be like the olive tree, and his fragrance like that of Lebanon. They shall again live beneath my shadow. They shall flourish as a garden. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fragrance shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. Your faithfulness comes from me. Those who are wise understand these things. Those who are discerning know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. This is the gift of God's word, and I invite you to leave it open, because we want to look at it as we go through this scripture. A few days ago, I had the chance to visit a friend across the bay who obviously is a great gardener, and there were these beautiful pansies potted right there on the front walk, and I loved it, and then went into the backyard, and she had uh, her tubs that are going to be vegetable gardens were actually filled with clover, which she will plow under and uh, plant later, but I went over to that vegetable garden or the clover, and I just ran my hands across. It was just so compelling, and I loved it so much that I took a picture, and it's now my my wallpaper on my phone. It's just so verdant. And if you look in the middle of this chapter, Hosea 14, it's just so filled with these compelling, beautiful, sensory images, this fresh dew, blossoming lily, the forests of Lebanon, which we don't know what the forests of Lebanon looked like, but it must have been stunning. Olive trees, which were prevalent and still are over there. The beauty of them, the shoots branching out, the fragrance the flourishing garden, the vineyard. So I had to do some homework and rush over to Philoli. 
And there I just started taking pictures and looking at the olive grove that was there when you first walk in and all the green underneath it and going to the tulips and going to my favorite, favorite smells, which is lilac and wisteria, which is in full bloom. I was in heaven. It was so great. And I have to believe that this image is compelling. You just want to go there because it's so gorgeous and it's so sensory that this passage in Hosea, this poetic passage, pulling out all these metaphors for how throughout the Old Testament, God talks about the people of Israel. They are so treasured. They are like a pleasant planting. They are like a vineyard. And also this image of they are like beloved children. Last week we heard Kurt reading the passage in Hosea 11 about lifting up the children to God's cheeks, so tender, so loving, so caring. And you hear that in that phrase, in you the orphan finds mercy. Earlier in Hosea, and this is why the book is so famous, talking about the people of God as a bride, this covenant bride whom God loves so tenderly, so faithfully, even though they don't love him back. And you hear that in the phrase, I will heal their disloyalty. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. All these inviting and compelling ways that God treasures us. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. It's I who answer and look after you. Your faithfulness, and the other word there in the Hebrew, it means fruitfulness. Your fruitfulness comes from me. And then the book ends with this inviting verse. Those who are wise understand these things. Those who are discerning know them. Those who are just That's what the word upright is translated to. Those who are just walk in God's ways, and those who don't stumble. You've seen the title of the sermon. It's called Hope Is. And you may be thinking right now, I know exactly how she's going to complete that sentence. Having just heard the whole chapter of Hosea 14, you're pretty convinced that I will complete that sentence similar to what we did earlier with the confession of sin and assurance of forgiveness. That I will complete it by saying hope is returning to God. Because isn't that right there in the chapter? Take words with you, return to the Lord, say to him, take away all guilt. And following that will be God's promise of grace. It's in the passage as well. I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. But nope, that's not my message. That isn't the full picture about what hope is. Not in Hosea and not in the whole of Scripture. When it comes to hope, it is, first of all, realizing the hard truth that we are a hopeless mess. And we cannot fix it on our own. Many of you know that uh, Friday before last, we watched a documentary together in Fellowship Hall. There's about 15 of us. This documentary uh, was up for an Academy Award. It's called 13th. Um, It's homework for our leaders on session right now because one of our 2017 priorities uh, is engaging issues of injustice. 
So this particular documentary, people ask me, well, what's it about? And beforehand, I didn't actually know. But now I'll tell you what it's about. It's about the 13th Amendment that was added to the Constitution after the Civil War, after slavery was abolished. And it's actually based on a book by Michelle Alexander. It's a 2010 bestseller titled The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. This particular amendment reads this way, the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, added in 1865. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. What is pointed out in this documentary and in the book, too, I haven't read the book, is that that particular clause, slavery is abolished, but that particular clause, except as a crime for punishment, that that became a loophole to continue the practice of slavery within the criminal justice system. Just a different form, but still targeting in particular blacks. It's a very compelling, it's a very disturbing documentary, and it draws from people across the political spectrum, Newt Gingrich, Bill Clinton, all acknowledging that there is this entrenched system in place that has grown up around the criminalization of blacks. Now, at the end of the movie, we pulled our chairs in a circle, thank you to Kurt, who's great at this, and invited us to say what it was that was going on inside us as a response to this documentary. And it was interesting to hear. There was a mixture of shock, sadness, trauma even. There was this sense that we don't really know how we can change such a, an overwhelming system. And then at the end, we did what we could do. We lamented and we prayed. That's what we could do. So that corporate sense that we are a mess and we don't know how to fix it. Could that really be where hope begins? Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. You have stumbled because of your sin. Assyria, in other words, empire, shall not save us. You won't ride, we won't ride upon horses. In other words, the military won't save us. We will no longer say our God to the work of our hands. It is I who answer and look after you. Your faithfulness comes from me. Hope is, probably know I got that title from the shirt that uh, they got last year from Amor Ministries on the Youth Mexico Mission trip. And you probably also know that the trip is looking quite different this year. Because of the tensions that are going on with, the, with Mexico and along the border of Mexico, they have been advised by Amor not to take all the food, which we've done every year, cooked our own meals, not to take all the tools to take everything with us, but to rent them down there because we're not quite sure what we can take across the border. So it's a very different trip this year. 
made me think of what I was able to do on a sabbatical leave 2005 because of this church and the support that you gave me. I went to a border immersion experience that was sponsored by the University of San Diego. Two Catholic sisters put this together, three days, where we actually went along the border. We visited with the Border Patrol. We interviewed with them. We visited many ministries along the border and resources. And I remember when we came back to debrief, the two Catholic sisters were very hopeful because there was John McCain and Ted Kennedy had come together and put together a particular bill on immigration reform that was bipartisan. It seemed to be addressing many of the concerns. It never went anywhere. And now we are many administrations later, and many people say aloud it would take a miracle for there to be any kind of immigration reform. Empire will not save us. Military will not save us. Saying our God to the work of our hands will not save us. O people of God, what have I to do with your idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. Your faithfulness comes from me. I don't know if it's encouraging to you or not, but Jesus' disciples wrestled with these same things. Exact same things. Looking to the empire, wanting to be the empire that was on top, actually wanting Jesus to use his power to fight the empire, to be a military hero. And all of them failed to look to God first for the answers. In fact, it turns out that Jesus is the only one who did what Hosea invited everyone to do at the end of his prophetic book, the only one who understood and practiced these things. And it turns out that all of our ability, all of our ability to understand and practice these things comes from him as a gift when we turn to God for answers. All your faithfulness, what a striking phrase, all your faithfulness comes from me. Jesus, I will give you mine. I will give you mine. There's a group of people that I read a book with every three or four months, and then we get together for dinner, and we talk about it. And these are people, um, half of them are Presbyterians from Sunnyvale, half of them are Catholics from San Jose. We went on a pilgrimage together uh, in the footsteps of St. Francis and Assisi. That was many, many years ago, and now we get together and, and read contemplative prayer books for the most part. But this time, tonight, we're discussing, interestingly enough, Jim Wallace's book, America's Original Sin on Racism and White Privilege and the Bridge to a New America. And I was cramming yesterday, because I read part of it, but I hadn't read the whole thing, and I've got a little bit more cramming to do today. But as I was cramming, how interesting that there were chapters in here that I read yesterday about the need for reform to address the injustice in our criminal justice system. 
the need for reform to address the injustice along the border with immigration. And this was even more interesting. Many of you know that over 20 years ago, I came here from Solana Beach Presbyterian Church. The current pastor at Solana Beach Presbyterian Church is Mike Clinahan. He tells a story about Mike Clinahan, who actually shows up in the Oval Office to tell his story to the President of the United States about how, because they partner with a Latino congregation, in the course of baptizing babies, he has discovered families who are afraid of deportation, of being separated from the very babies he's baptizing. Now, I don't think we realize that the empire, the military, our institutions of learning, our institutions of innovation are all desperately needing the wisdom and the guidance of those who look first to God and the ways of God for answers. You realize that? That's what that illustrated to me. They are looking, needing, may not say it, for people who are looking first. That's hope. To realize how hopeless we are to fix this mess without first of all turning to God for the answers. But of course that begs the question, how familiar are we with the ways of God? Now I want you to think about this. How many of you would say that you know the ways of the empire better than you know the ways of the Lord? Think about that. Yeah, I see some hands going up. Many of us know the ways of the empire. And when I say empire, I'm just talking about politics. What's going on with politics? We know the ways of the empire better than we know the ways of the Lord. And if that is true, what will be our first inclination when we're looking for answers? If we know those ways better than anything else, better than we know the ways of the Lord, where are we going to be inclined to turn when we are desperate? When we see that we are a mess, we're going to be inclined to turn to the ways of empire. I want to suggest a practice to you before you leave today. And I want you to consider how it is that you might be less steeped in knowing the ways of empire day to day and more steeped in knowing the ways of the Lord. And I want you to take a moment and think about what that might look like for you and write it down. And if you're willing, commit yourself because, friends, it trains us where we look first for answers. In our hopelessness, in the messes that we can't figure out how to get through, are we going to look first to empire? Or are we going to seek first the ways of the Lord? And if we're going to seek the ways of the Lord, what are they? How can we seek them if we don't even know them? So think for a moment, and then I'll lead us in prayer. It's going to give you a little bit of silence for you to determine how you might be less steeped in the daily news and more steeped in God's word.
Please join me in prayer. God, how we thank you that you treasure us as your special creation the way you do. As a people, your pleasant planting, your beautiful, verdant garden in this world. How you have taught us and given us everything we need to be your people. How you love us as your beloved children with a love that can never stop. How you have covenanted yourself to us as a faithful husband and continue to move toward us in grace and healing love, healing our disloyalty in Jesus Christ. Thank you for his loyalty. Thank you for his love for your world and the way he lived it. Lead us closer to you, not out of obligation, not out of guilt, but out of desire, out of want to, out of a eagerness and even a desperation to be healed, to be healed in our relationship with you and in your purposes that you have, the dream that you have for this world, that truly the transformation that you bring in the resurrection from the dead will be the transformation you bring on earth in the injustices we face, in the laments that we cry, in the longings that we have for your healing. Lord, use us and fill us and turn our eyes to you and your ways. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.